0: The Christ will deceive many. You'll hear wars, rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences and earthquakes in various places. And, of course, these are some of the signs that point to Jesus' second coming. And we've said so much about his second coming over the last many, many years, you know. And we should. We, We should talk about that. Jesus is coming. He really is. And, and so, so, we've said so much about the signs of His second coming and the prophecies that, that, that we have in the Word of God concerning His second coming. Like Daniel the prophet said that, that at the time of the end that many will run to and fro and you see the worldwide travel that we have now and knowledge will be increased and you understand for, so many thousands of years, just communication, you know, was was very, very limited. Is that correct? And now you got a cell phone. You can talk around the world, you know, satellite television, just the automobile. And so knowledge has been increased. So much, much concerning his the time of his second coming. But uh as beings as we're approaching Christmas, it just seemed good to the spirit of God that we talk about. Uh, the signs, prophecies, events concerning his first coming. I think that would be interesting. Just what did they have in the Old Testament uh, concerning his first coming? What did they have to study to look for his first coming? Just like we look for his second coming, they were looking for his first coming. You know, there's over 300 Old Testament prophecies about Jesus' first coming. Over 300 Old Testament prophecies about his first coming. Now, I will say this. There's more than eight times on that concerning his second coming. So if God got it right concerning his first coming, I believe that uh, he'll get it right and has gotten it right concerning his second coming. How about you? Because we know Jesus came the first time and uh, there's eight times as much on his second coming as his first. So it's just even eight times more likely he'll come the second time. What do you say? Now, what did they have in the Old Testament? First of all, let's go to Genesis 3.15. They had the prophecies concerning the virgin birth. Actually, right after Adam and Eve sinned and fell in the Garden of Eden, uh, one of the first things God did was come in there and he prophesied concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the virgin birth. Jesus has been preached. The gospel message of Jesus, his death, burial and resurrection has been preached from Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. You know, a lot of times people ask me and they, they say, well, we know how people get saved here in the New Testament. But how, you know, how do they get saved in the Old Testament? The exact same way you get saved in the New Testament through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial and resurrection. You understand that? It's never it's never been been any different. The book of Hebrews Talking about those in the Old Testament said they all died in faith. Remember that? The same way you and I want to die. In faith. Is that right? In faith. Faith in who? In the Lord Jesus, see? And Jesus was preached from, from the book of Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. God says to the, to the devil here and the serpent, he says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman. Between your seed and her seed. Now, her seed, that's talking about the virgin birth. Women don't have seed. Men have seed. Women do not. So it's talking about the virgin birth. You see, that, that, uh, uh, that, that the coming one would be the, the seed of the woman, but the woman doesn't have seed. What's that talking about? That's talking about the virgin birth. And there'd be enmity between the woman and the, and the devil, between his seed and her seed, that's the virgin birth, he'll bruise your head. What is that talking about? That's talking about the resurrection of Jesus in the second coming. How many of you know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, he, he spoiled principalities and power, didn't he? And when he comes the second time, he's going to crush the devil and his cohorts. Is that right? And you'll bruise his heel, said the serpent, the devil would bruise Jesus's. Heal, the seed of the woman who's Jesus. Bruises his What is that talking about? Well, during Jesus' beating and crucifixion, certainly. You understand, Jesus was bruised, wasn't he? He was bruised. And uh, so you see, right from the book of Genesis, we have a prophecy concerning the Lord Jesus and him coming. The virgin birth. And that's one of the things they had to look they had to look for or they had you know that would cause them to look for his first coming now in isaiah 7 verse 14 another scripture concerning the virgin birth very popular around christmas time isaiah 7:14 therefore the lord himself will give you a sign behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you'll call his name Emmanuel, which of course means God with us. So they were looking, what were they looking for? You see, here, here in, in the New Testament times, here at the, the, the end of the church, right near the end of the church age, we're looking for wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places, knowledge increasing. What were they looking for? Well, they were looking for a virgin birth. They were looking for a virgin to conceive and bear a son. And, uh, Along those lines, of course, and we'll not look these scriptures up for the sake of time. But God had said to Abraham, he said, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So, of course, they were looking at Abraham's descendants very carefully. And then, of course, God talked about a root of Jesse. Well, what does that what does that mean? Well, remember, Jesse was King David's father, and we knew that. Jesus would come from the lineage of David after the flesh, you know. You know, Jesus 100% God and 100% man, so they were, they were, or they could have if they wanted to, they could be looking at Jesse's children. And then of course, there was a prophecy given concerning uh, a branch of righteousness coming out of David. So they'd be watching not only Jesse, but his son David and then David's lineage. And then of course, you go to Isaiah 9, verse 6, they had this, which ties in with David, King David. Notice Isaiah 9, verse 6 For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Did you ever notice that the child was born, but the son was given? Did you ever notice that? See, the child was born, that's Jesus' humanity. The Word was made flesh, dwelt among us, but the Son was. Wasn't born, he's always existed. The second member of the Trinity, co-equal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. You see, the Son wasn't born, the Son was what? Was given. That's neat, isn't it? And the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called not only Emmanuel, we saw that a moment ago, but Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. That's eternity. That's, that's his deity, isn't it? There'll be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. See, he would sit on the throne of David. That's his humanity. To order it and establish it with judgment, justice from that time forward, even forever. There's his deity. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. See, so they had Isaiah. Chapter nine, verse six and seven. And so they were looking for a son. They were looking for a child to be born of a virgin who would be most wonderful of the the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, you know, Jacob, who is Israel. And then Judah, we'll see that in a moment. And then, of course, eventually through Jesse and David and on down, that was all given to them in the Old Testament. And so they needed to be looking for a child to be born of a virgin. Of course, if they'd have taken the time to go into to the book of Ruth, they could have seen a kin, a kinsman redeemer. It's talking about Jesus humanity. And of course, they could have went into the book of Job and noted what Job said about the daysmen. Remember, Job said to God, he said, I'm looking for somebody who can lay his hand both on you and me. Well, God is God. And Job was a man. So, Job was looking for someone that could lay his hand on both. Someone who could claim both deity and humanity. Jesus is the only one that can do that. Do you realize that? Do you know Adam in the Garden of Eden is not like Jesus? Adam before he sinned. Adam before he sinned was not God, was he? Adam was 100% man, 0% God. Is that right? And the Bible says Adam was made a little lower than God. But Jesus is 100% man, but he's also what? 100% God, the only one that can lay his hand both on deity and humanity. The only one, he's the unique person of the ages. He's most wonderful. You'll never find anybody like him. There is nobody else like Jesus. And he can claim both deity and humanity at the same time. And so they would have been looking for a daysman, a mediator, a go-between, one that could go between and mediate between God and man. And then, of course, something else they could have kept their eyes on. Uh, Of course, we in the New Testament, we keep our eyes on the Middle East and on Jerusalem, you know, because it's a it's a pivotal it's the pivotal place for the end time events. Is that correct? Well, a place that if you were living before Jesus first coming that you'd want to keep your eyes on very, very closely. There was a town that you'd really want to keep your eyes on real closely. If you were looking for his first coming, does anybody know the name of that town? It starts with a B. Hey, good. Micah five, verse two. Let's turn there. Micah 5, verse 2. But you, have you found it? Micah 5, verse 2. If not, it will be on the screen. But you, Bethlehem. Anybody know how to say that next word? Okay. Easy for you to say. But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. There's deity, correct? So you'd want to keep your eyes on Bethlehem. Is that right? Keep your eyes real close on Bethlehem. If, if you were living in, you know, prior to Jesus' first coming, you'd want to be keeping your eyes on Bethlehem you're looking for a child to be born of a virgin. Is that right? Okay. And then, if you go to Numbers 24, verse 17. Numbers 24, verse 17. uh, And and you need to understand, I'm not covering all the prophecies given in the Old Testament. I'm just kind of looking at the ones that pertain to to his his birth. And there's many more we could share. I'm just kind of hitting the, the main ones. But in Numbers twenty four, verse seventeen there was a prophet named Balaam. Anybody ever hear of Balaam? And some say he was a prophet of God and some say that he, he that he was a soothsayer and the Bible actually calls him both, and depends on how you wanna 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 look at him. But uh, one way that I can look at him is uh he was a prophet of God. He gave some of the most accurate prophecies uh concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus but he got he got sidetracked by money. We have to be careful about the deceitfulness of riches, don't we? I've seen that in the present day. I've seen some good, solid men of God, prophets of God that they get sidetracked by prosperity and they're just not the same after that. You understand what I'm saying? So without getting off into that, Balaam was one of those. But yet, he did give some very accurate prophecies. And here in Numbers 24, verse 17, he says this concerning Jesus. Hundreds of years before the Lord was born, he said this. He said, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. So in other words, he saw him. He saw him in the spirit. But, but his manifestation wasn't at that time. It wouldn't be for hundreds and hundreds of years. He said, I behold him, but it's not near, but, it, but it's coming. A star. Real loud, say a star? star. A star. Now, this star here makes reference to the Lord Jesus himself. Don't misunderstand me. But it also, I believe, makes reference to a star that shone in the heavens, which I'm going to say a little bit more about here in a moment. Uh. As it pertained to Jesus' birth. Anybody ever hear about a star in relation to Jesus' birth? A star shall come out of Jacob. Of course, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And then a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Jacob and Israel, same person. Right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and his name was changed to Israel. What is a scepter? A scepter is something that a king holds. Right? Like a staff. But a star will rise out of Jacob. So... You'd want to be looking for a star. You'd want to be looking for a star. But it's interesting, as we'll see as we go here in this message, that the star was not observant to everybody. You had to be looking for it to see it. You need to understand that. Um, how many's ever gone out at night and you looked up at the sky and you just, you see a bunch of twinkling things and, But, you know, there's people that that study the stars and, you know, there's nothing wrong. Listen to me now. There's nothing wrong with studying the stars. Astronomy is just fine. Astrology is demonic and that you need to stay away from horoscopes and all that. You need to stay away from that. That's just bad, bad stuff. That's demonic. You understand? But but astronomy is very is very good. And God God's into astronomy. You know, he calls the stars by name. And uh, I'll, I'll say more about that. As 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 we go, but but you if you were living back before Jesus came the first time you'd need to be keeping your eyes on the heavens You know, uh, I preached years ago on the gospel in the stars. I did several Wednesday nights. I don't know about almost two months of Wednesday nights Is anybody here when I did gospel on the stars? I mean, it's interesting I may do that again somewhere in the future, but God painted the gospel in the stars he really really did it's it's fascinating it's a fascinating study and uh, but anyway a star will come out of jacob and and so you need to keep your eyes on the stars if you were living look back looking for jesus first coming now i'll say more about that in a moment but have you ever heard of the wise men wise men and and magi is what what they're they're called magi or wise men and you need to realize something about the wise men or these wise men. And as you study into the wise men, there were some good wise men and some not so good wise men. There were some wise men or magi that were demonic. And they flowed after the things of, of the devil. And, and they were into astrology and magic and sorcery. That, that wasn't good. But there was another group of them that actually uh, came from Babylon. And, and if you look back in history... Before these wise men of jesus' time, uh, Daniel, anybody ever hear of Daniel the prophet? He was the original magi, if you will, and he was a prophet of God, God used him to give many prophecies concerning uh, uh, particularly the, the the end days and the second coming of the Lord, but also gave him some things concerning the the lord 's first coming, and these magi. Were were basically we could say now now they they came many hundreds of years after Daniel had died, but they were of the school of Daniel and they had Daniel's prophecies available to them. You, you need to understand that. And so having Daniel's prophecies available to them, they would be looking for something very, very in particular that often gets overlooked when we look to, to the Lord's first coming. Go to Daniel nine, verse twenty five. Now, usually when we or when I've taught out of the book of Daniel in years gone by, I'm always talking about the second coming of Christ, the second coming. But there's something here about the first coming. And if you were alive looking for his first coming, you'd really want to pay attention to this verse right here, which I believe the Magi did because they were of the same school as Daniel. They were astronomers, not astrologers. They were they were good, good, solid, good people. And, uh, notice here, Daniel 925 says this, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild, or build Jerusalem, and tell Messiah the prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. And then it goes on and gives some other things there, but let's stop right there. Now, I'll just make this very simple for you. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem. You need to realize that Jerusalem was taken captive by uh, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, in Babylon. And Daniel was carried away to Babylon. And as the years came and went, eventually uh, Cyrus gave an edict or a command to have Jerusalem rebuilt. And what Daniel picked up from the Holy Spirit and wrote here in Daniel nine twenty five, he said, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command, which would be the edict of Cyrus, to restore and build Jerusalem and tell Messiah the Prince, that's talking about Jesus, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. And these, of course, were weeks of years. And without getting into all the calculations, I'll just tell you when you do the math, it's 483 years. So, what could they have known? What could these magi have known? They could have known that from the time Cyrus gave that edict to rebuild Jerusalem, that there would be 483 years until the time that the Messiah would come. It's very helpful to have that kind of information, isn't it? You see, here we, in this time in which we live, we calculate... And we think about, well, the church has been going on now for about 2,000 years. Is that right? And so we, we can calculate that. and We realize from the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to the present time, there's been about 2,000 years. And we know that before that, from Adam and Eve until Jesus, there was about 4,000. So you put 4,000 together with 2,000, you got 6,000, Right. And so we're right at the end of about 6,000 year period of man on the earth. Now, I believe the earth could be billions of years old. You understand that it could well be. Some people dispute that. I'm not going to dispute that with anybody anymore. The earth could be 6,000 years old. It could be billions of years old. Our salvation doesn't hinge on that. Can anybody say amen? Amen. So I'm not arguing that with anybody anymore. Whatever way you want to believe, that's fine. But I can tell you biblically that mankind, from the Garden of Eden till now, has been on the earth about six thousand years. And remember, God does things in sevens. Is that right? And so, so uh, there were six days of creation, and in the seventh day God rested. Correct. And with the day with the Lord, one year is as as what a thousand days. And I'm sorry, one day is as what a thousand years, and a thousand years as. One day, so if you look at it, we're right at the end of that sixth day or that 6,000 year period. So Jesus is getting ready to come back. See, we do a little math, a little calculation on years. Well, they could do the same thing back there before he came the first time. From the time that edict went forth from Cyrus to rebuild Jerusalem and all of that. Remember under Zerubbabel and Nehemiah and Ezra and all that. Until Messiah Jesus would come, that there would be 483 years. So the wise men knew that. So they were looking. To, they were looking. They were to really Say they was looking. They was looking. Not good English, but good theology. You okay? Now, these wise men were astronomers. They kept their eyes on the stars. Nothing wrong with that. God uses the stars for signs and seasons. Again, astrology is what's wrong, not astronomy. And these were astronomers. And I'll tell you this much. If you look up at, if I, if I look up at the stars at night, I don't really, I haven't studied much into it. So I don't really know too much what I'm looking at, except I see a lot of pretty blinking things. And I might be able to, if somebody said, hey, look over there, there's a little dipper. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Big Dipper. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you know what? To people who are trained in it, it's like if I go to read music. If I went up there to read music, I don't have a clue what I'm looking at. But Diane does. You know why? She studied it. But if I put a calculus book up in front of Diane, she's not going to have a clue what's going on, are you? But I'm going to understand it because I've studied it. But you know, people who haven't studied the stars, they don't have a clue. If you're like me, I don't. Oh, I, I, do, I don't see all that stuff up there. But yet people who study it, they look up there, and they can see things can 't they? and with the telescopes and all that it 's unbelievable and so is it really really valid and These guys were like that and it 's interesting look at Matthew two uh, verse one because I, I know we 're studying out of the Old Testament today, but I just want to go to to this matthew two verse one, and let 's read some things about this star and these magi because they were looking. To the stars it was for, 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 for a sign of the, the Messiah's birth, because they had that prophecy from Daniel in that time. That was right in that time. Of, you know, God hits things right down not only to the minute hour, but right to the second. Is that right? Yeah. Now, notice this, Matthew two, verse one. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of, of Judah or Judea, however you want to say that in the days of Herod, the king. Now, you need to know Herod was a nasty individual. He was just bad. I mean, one of the most evil men that's ever lived. And he was actually he wasn't a Jew, but he was put in as king of the Jews. You need to realize that. You understand that he was proselyted, I guess, if you will. But I won't get into all the history of it. He was he was say he say he'd be bad. He'd be bad, and I don't mean that in a good way. He killed people almost every day. Actually, as I studied into it, he had both of his sons killed because he didn't want them to take over his position as king. Nasty individual. Anyway, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, magi, wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem. Now notice they didn't go to Herod, they came to Jerusalem. Now let me say this, now this is Matthew's account, but before I go any further, if you went over to Luke's account, remember the night that Jesus was born, the angels appeared to some people out in the fields, they were the who? The shepherds. Keeping their flock by night. Can I give you a little something else that I've learned about this? You know, if you study into this, they were keeping and overseeing the lambs that would eventually be slaughtered sacrificed and slaughtered and if you get real deep into it and study jesus was born in the same area where the lambs were kept for sacrifice and slaughter because he'd be the lamb of god pretty pretty awesome isn't it this is just a little side journey but the, the 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 uh angels appeared to the shepherds and and told them that the savior was born and they go in to Bethlehem and the city of David and the the child would be lying in a in a manger and all that. And they went in there and they saw that and then they went out and pub published that. You need to realize that. The shepherds went out and published that. So people knew that something had happened. Are you okay? Now The wise men come into Jerusalem and they don't go to Herod. They just come in and they're asking, verse 2, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. We've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, it's very interesting. We've seen his star in the east have come to worship him. Now, I'm not going to get into all the details of it. But I'd recommend any of you to go to YouTube and there's this man named Rick Larson. He is a attorney and he did this some years back. He started studying into the Star of Bethlehem and it takes about an hour to get through it all, but it's well worth your time. Rick Larson, Star of Bethlehem, YouTube, takes about an hour. I'd go watch it because he does some of the most outstanding study that I've ever seen and presentation on the Star of Bethlehem. And he uses a computer program that has uh, Kepler's laws programmed into it. Newton's laws programmed into it. Sir Isaac, how many is, you know, Kepler and all. And it is a program. The wise man didn't have this program, by the way. But we, we have the advantage now of technology. And we can go back and look and see what it looked like. And it's bizarre. It's just fascinating. He shows what the stars looked like. The night that Jesus was conceived in Mary's womb. And then you go nine months forward. And he shows how Jupiter and Venus stacked on top of each other. And made what we know as the star of Bethlehem. Even though they were planets. It does no despite to the scripture at all. And you see what the sky looked like. The very night jesus was born it had hair standing up on the back of my neck when i when i was looking at it and he he shows how that star it, the first the first one rose up in 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 uh leo the the lion which jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, and then nine months later that star that we know as the star of bethlehem rose up in virgo who's the virgin and on her lap sits a child and when i did my study years i feel the anointing right now uh whew, uh and that star came came up right in the forehead of that little child that it's called a deacon of, of Virgo. And, and that was the star of Bethlehem. And it was it actually it was Jupiter and Venus stacked on one on top of each other. That that actually is what the wise men saw. And they knew there's a king of the Jews is, is being born. We've got a head head that way. And they did a head head for isn't it? I mean, it, I mean, it shows me, too, that can that life begins at conception. We can throw that in there for good measure. You okay? And then I'll throw this in. If you if you watch to the end of his presentation, he shows what the sky looked like the night after Jesus had died on the cross. I'm not going to tell you about that. You can go look that up. But that's what these wise men saw from afar. And they come into Jerusalem and they say, we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Again, you need to realize this star wasn't something like you see on Hollywood. It wasn't something that was just beaming right down into the into the to the manger. But it was sitting over the manger. And you also need to realize, and, and I've said this over the years, but I want to say it again. The shepherds came to the manger The wise men didn't come the night Jesus was born. They were headed that way, but it took them some months to get there. You need to understand that. Because when the shepherds got to Jesus, he was in a babe in the manger. But when the wise men got there, they were in, Mary and Joseph and Jesus were in a house. You need to understand that. Okay, so but 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 it was within two years and it was less than that. But Herod, not wanting to take any chances, had had the children. I believe it wasn't the male, the male children, two years and under killed. But it was it wasn't a two year length of time from the time Jesus was born till the wise men got there. But nonetheless, they saw that star and they headed that way. So they saw something when he was conceived. And then nine months later is when they saw the star. Of Bethlehem. And they, they, they headed towards Jerusalem. They come into Jerusalem. They, they don't go to Herod. They just say where is, he who is, uh, we, where is he who has been born king of the Jews. We've seen a star in the east. We've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this. He was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. See Herod. Don't you think if there was a big star out there beaming right down. Like the Hollywood movies make that star. Don't you think Herod and his men would have picked up on that. See, the signs are for those who are looking for them. Same way today. The signs are for those who are looking for him. Earthquakes on the news all the time, aren't they? Earthquake, big earthquake here, big earthquake there. Bigger. It's gotten to the point we don't pay any attention to them anymore. But every time that I hear it on the news or Diane says, did you hear there was a big earthquake today? The first thing I think is Jesus is coming. Because I'm looking for him. How about you? So you see, these these wise men were looking for him, and they saw that star. Now, if we'd have looked up at the sky, and they just said, now, look, look at, oh, wow, wow, yeah, you know. How many's ever seen Venus? I mean, in the time in which we live, in, and Dave Murray will come on there, and he'll say, you want to look to such and such, because Venus is going to be real, is that right? Y'all know who Dave Murray is, don't you? Weather, weather man, you know. And, uh, wow. But, but, but you see, they knew what they were looking for. And they came. Now notice here, and so Herod verse 4, he gathers the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, inquired of them where the Christ was to be born, so they said to him, in Bethlehem. Now notice this, they didn't know the scriptures, did they? Herod didn't know the scriptures. And they had to go, they had to go dust them off and find out what's going on. Isn't that sad? But just like most Christians today, they have Bibles in their house that sit there collecting dust. Sad, isn't it? But nonetheless, they got to it and they found out that it, they, 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 look at verse 6, for you Bethlehem in the land of Judah, Micah 5-2, we read it a moment ago. So, so Herod has, he had his, his wise men find out what's going on here. And then, and then notice what he does in verse 7. Herod, see, he calls for the wise men secretly. They had a secret meeting, determined what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the, when they, when they heard the king, they departed and now this is really cool. If you go to that YouTube thing I suggested by Rick Larson, because I've wondered about this for years. After they leave Herod, the star which they had seen and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them. It's interesting he does a little presentation from his computer programme that shows that 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 at that time, about seven o'clock in the morning, that star reappeared. And not only does it reappear, watch this, till it came and stood, and in the Greek that word stood means stood still over where the young child was. That bothered me for years. How do you get a star to stand still? I'm not going to get into it, but go look at that on YouTube. And he goes through and shows how that star, it was actually, I believe it was Jupiter, it did a retroactive move or something or other uh, astronomers would understand it. But it stops and it stands still, at least as we would look at it from Earth. It stops and it stands still right over where Jesus, can anybody say amen? You can put as much pressure on the Scriptures as you want to put on the Scriptures and they will always hold true. Glory to God. You can take science and press science down, good science now, on the Scriptures and try to prove the Scriptures wrong and you can't prove the Scriptures wrong. All you'll do is come away saying that God is true. Glory to God. And the Word is true. And you can put all the pressure on the Word of God you want and it's always true. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Jesus was born some 2,000 years ago of a virgin in Bethlehem. Praise God. And the computer programs today back it all up. Glory to God. When they saw the star, verse 10, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, see into the house, they saw the young child. See, he wasn't, he wasn't a baby anymore, he was a toddler. And and Mary, his mother, fell down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures. They presented gifts to him. Gold. Now watch this. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. By the way, gold is for deity. Frankincense is, is a pleasant offering to God, implying holiness and righteousness. And the myrrh has to do with bitterness, suffering, and affliction. It's interesting. I'll just throw this in. When I did the Gospel in the Stars years ago, and I taught that that child that sat on the lap of the Virgin Virgo, remember that if you were in the class in the services. And in his path, there was something in his path as the as the heavens move and whatnot rotate. There was something in his path. And it was the southern, what's known as the southern cross. There was a cross in the path of the child that sat on the virgin's lap. There was suffering in his future, wasn't there? And that suffering was for you and for me. There, the gospel is in the stars. The gospel is in, it's everywhere you look. God is, is crying out to us, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now it's interesting, Go to go to Psalm 72 because these gifts are talked about. And this, the visit of the wise men and the shepherds are talked about in the Old Testament, but they get very little attention. Let's go to Psalm 72. I'm going to read this in the NLT. It'll be on the screen. Look at Psalm 72, verse 9. Desert nomads, these are also known as shepherds, will bow before him. Did shepherds come and worship and Desert nomads will bow before him shepherds and look at verse 10. I'm just going to handle the second part of that verse. The eastern kings of Sheba and Sheba. That's the wise men, the Magi. What are they going to bring him? Bring him gifts. So that's something else you'd want to be looking for if you were living in the Old Testament times looking for Jesus. And then Isaiah 60 tells us exactly what kind of gifts. Let's go to Isaiah 60 and verse 3. This is in the New King James again. The Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Kings came, didn't they? And in verse 6, it's going to tell us what they brought. The multitude of camels shall cover your land. The dromedaries, Now I don't know what a dromedary was. I had to look it up. It's a camel. It's a certain kind of camel. The camels of Midian and Ephah. Now watch this. All those from Sheba, talking about the wise men, and they brought caravans with them eventually, evidently. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring, what are they going to bring? Gold and incense. I think some versions say frankincense, but gold and incense. And of course frankincense and myrrh are both types of incense. Or incense comes from it. And they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. Isn't that something? told us in the Old Testament that the shepherds would come and bow. The kings would come and praise and bow and worship. And that they'd bring him gifts of gold and frankincense. Isn't that something? God knows the end from the beginning, doesn't he? And then after the wise men left, there was a slaughter. Look at Jeremiah 31.15. Something else you'd want to be looking for. There was a slaughter of the children. Remember that? And Jeremiah talked about that. Thus says the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Isn't that something? God knew about that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before it ever happened. But you see, God spoke to Joseph in a dream through an angel. Is that right? Had him go into Egypt. Is that right? And we'll not look it up for the sake of time. But Hosea... Tells us that uh, out of Egypt I've called my son. You ever heard that? Yeah. I'll just throw this in too. You know how us here in the New Testament times. We're looking at all these prophecies that we have concerning the second coming. And yet have you ever found some of the prophecies to kind of. You put them together stack them together and you kind of scratch in your head. How can all that happen? Has anybody ever done that besides me? Nobody. Nobody. So you you understand the book of Revelation perfectly. I'm the only one in here that doesn't understand the book of Revelation perfectly. You and me. Everybody else gets it. I better let them teach. But I but I've looked at the end time prophecies and I put them all together and I kind of scratch my head sometimes. I mean I believe them, but they, you know how, how is that going to happen? How has anybody ever thought that besides me? But really the same thing's true with the Old Testament. How is Jesus going to be how is this he, this Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. He's going to come out of Egypt and he's going to be called a Nazarene. Do you see how they might have been scratching their heads on that? And I bet you there were some people back there teaching that Jesus is probably going to be Egyptian because out of Egypt I've called my son. But you see, when you look back at it, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? He was born in Bethlehem, right? They went into Egypt and God called him out of Egypt, and then he came and he lived in, in Nazareth, in the province of Galilee. He was, he was called in Nazareth. Is that right? See, it makes perfect sense when you look at it from the doesn't it? And the same thing is true with the, those of you who might be a little bit flustered sometimes by studying the end time prophecies of his second coming. When we get past it, look back at it, it'll make perfect sense. Can you say amen? But I believe God, even if I don't understand it all. How about you? Hey, let me tell you this. I'm almost finished, but let me tell you this. There are over 300 Old Testament prophecies about the first coming of Jesus. I've already told you that. There was a professor, his name is Dr. Peter Stoner of Pasadena College in California, along with some students of his, figured out the odds of one person fulfilling just eight. Any eight of those prophecies, there's 300 of them. If you take any eight of them, they figured out the probability of one person fulfilling just eight of them in their lifetime. And the computation was that there was just one chance out of one with 33 zeros after it. And Jesus not only filled all eight of any eight, he filled all 300 plus of them. And there's eight times more, as I said, concerning the second coming than the first. We better be looking for Jesus. He's getting ready to come back. You, I can see the end, signs of the end times. We need to be ready for him. How about you? Let me close with this. Go to the last book of the Bible, Malachi. Malachi 3, verse 1. We'll close here. Two other things that you'd want to be looking for concerning Jesus' first coming. Now, we've been talking about his birth in, in Bethlehem here for the most part. But then his rise onto the public scene. Notice Malachi 3.1. Behold, I send my messenger. This was about 400 years before John the Baptist showed up. This is written. Behold, I send my messenger and he'll prepare the way before me and the and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his will suddenly, suddenly realize, say suddenly. You know, there's a lot of Christians even saying, "Well, when is all these? When are all these prophecies concerning his coming? When are they? When are they gonna? When, when, when's when's all this gonna happen? When's the Lord gonna? When's he? You know, they were saying the same thing. I think in in in, in the Old Testament, when's he gonna come? When is this virgin birth? When is this? When is? Real loud say, suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. and I believe that's the way it's gonna happen here in the second coming. He said, "In a time when you think not, suddenly." The Lord will descend from heaven with a shout with a voice, archangel, trumpet of God, dead in Christ shall rise first, and we hear live and rain with change of moment, twinkle eye, we'll be caught up meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord? Can you say amen? Boom, just that quick, we're gone. Isn't that wonderful? Boom. Hallelujah. Suddenly, he'll come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. This is this is talking about John the Baptist's ministry. And then you could go over to Isaiah. I won't take the time. And you could read. Isaiah tells us exactly what John was going to say. The voice of one crying in the wilderness makes straight the way of the Lord. How many remembers John came on? To... So you'd want to be looking for a, a forerunner, somebody to come up, start preaching, make way, to, make, make straight the way of the Lord, and so on and so forth. And that all happened. And then something else they were looking for, and then I'm going to use this as a springboard into what the Spirit of God, how He wants me to close the service. This is, this is directed by the Spirit of God here. Malachi 4-2. But to you who fear My name, the Son of Righteousness will arise with what? With what? With healing in His wings. Healing in His wings. Healing in His wings. Now what does that mean, healing in His wings? Well, wings means ex, 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 Extremities or his hands. How many know there's healing in Jesus' hands? Is that right? And, but also, this wings, it's interesting if you get into studying it out. It actually had to do with, the, with the, the tassels on his prayer shawl or the hem of his garment. Remember, they were always going after Jesus' hem? How many remember that? They're always going after his hem. Do you remember that? And that, that woman with the issue of blood, she was going after the hem. Is that right? The hem of the garment. Why did they why, why were they going after the hem of the garment? Because they understood Malachi or they heard they heard this preach that the son of righteousness would arise with what healing in his wings. So that's why they're going after the wing, the hem of the garment, because the prophet here said the Holy Ghost to the prophet said that he'd arise with healing in his what in his wings they was going after his wing they was going after his garment. Remember, there's a time where they, Jesus just sat and he let multitudes of people come up and just touch his garment. Remember that? They were going after that garment. They had faith. They had faith that if they could just touch that garment. Remember, there was a woman who had issued blood 12 years, had suffered many things of many physicians. It's been all that she had was nothing but better, but rather grew worse. Is that right? When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. What did she go after? The hem of the garment. Is that right? For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be... Healed their whole. And so she comes up and she touches the hem of the garment and immediately when she touches that hem, power. Realize I say power. power. See power, anointing power, the power of the anointing. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And you see that power went out and he perceived it go out. And it went out of his body. It flowed through that cloth, went right into her body, and immediately she was healed. Glory to God. Can you say amen? Amen. Immediately healed her. Immediately. She was healed. And then she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. The son of righteousness arose with healing in his wings. Amen. And of course, Jesus is the head, we're the body. Is that right? Jesus is the head, we're the body. And the Bible says in the in the gospel of Mark, it's in the 16th chapter, you can most of you are familiar with it. Said the Jesus said these signs will follow those who believe in my name. One of the things he says is they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, uh, there's a difference, of course, between a healing ministry and a miracle ministry or miracles. Miracles are instantaneous And I've found over the years that we can believe for miracles, all right. But God seems to do miracles as He wills, as He sees fit. But healing, we can always believe for healing. Is that right? And healing is a process. They'll lay hands on the sick, and they will what? They'll recover. They'll recover. So there's a process, isn't there? And you see that even with Jesus' ministry. Now, he laid hands on people, and, and they, they'd get healed immediately. But there was others that the Bible said they began to amend from that hour as a process. And, you know, sometimes folks get frustrated. They say, well, I just wanted, I just wanted a miracle. I just wanted to, get, to, get, to get, get, get healed immediately. Well, thank God for that. But I tell you what, if I couldn't get it immediately, I'd take it over time. How about you? Now then, over the last many years, we've laid hands on so many. And I share this now because uh, this this part of it. uh, Did you know any believer...